Hi, everyone. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kamal Shah, who's CEO of StackRocks. Our topic today is security in a cloud-native world. Kamal, welcome to DevOps Chat. It's great to be here, Mitch. Thank you for having me. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know you're very busy. Happy to have you on. Would you start by introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you do, of course, as CEO, we can imagine, but also a little bit about StackRocks. Absolutely. So again, I'm Kamal Shah. I'm the CEO of StackRocks. And StackRocks is a leading provider of security and compliance solutions for your cloud-native infrastructure. So as you're embarking on your journey towards microservices, containers, and Kubernetes, we help you address your security and compliance requirements across the entire application lifecycle from build to deploy to runtime. It's about secure software, especially in a cloud-native uh, containerized world, that's for sure. Well, tell us a little bit about um, how you approach this problem. Uh, you know, how do you think about security in a kind of contemporary app development world where you're doing cloud-native applications, kube-native, I know it's the way that we like to talk about it. Um, you know, how, do you, how do you approach this from a st StackRock standpoint? Absolutely. So the big trend that we saw when we started the company was that our customers were you know, shifting their monolithic applications built on traditional infrastructure to uh, microservices and containers. Mm -hmm. and, and as a result, uh, security also had to evolve to meet uh, and secure this cloud-native infrastructure. And, and so we, we saw an opportunity to build a new set of solutions that are purpose-built for this cloud-native infrastructure. Because when you really think about it, right, there's fundamental differences between traditional application and traditional security and cloud-native applications and cloud-native security. Right? When you deploy in containers, security then has to make sure that it understands the ephemeral and immutable nature of containers. Mm -hmm. right? Security has to shift left and provide controls and guardrails for the build and deploy side of uh, the application lifecycle, not just at runtime. And equally important, security now has to seamlessly integrate with DevOps processes, automation, and workflow. Because if you don't, then the DevOps organ is going to reject, oh, sorry, the DevOps body is going to reject the security organ. I'm glad you talked about it in both ways because Kubernetes containers that obviously changed the architecture of software and how we're doing that in the cloud. You know, it isn't just about locking down servers anymore. It's really app security level, but at the same time, we're creating software differently. Can you say some more about what what maybe some of the unique challenges are that um, you've had to address for both cloud native world and also shift left within DevOps? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so the, you know, the one big trend, we, people talk a lot about microservices and containers, but the other big thing that I would like to call out is that uh, Kubernetes has emerged as the de facto standard for orchestrators, right? Mm -hmm. And we did a survey um, late last year and again, six months later, and what we found is the adoption of Kubernetes as the orchestrator uh, has grown from 57% of organizations using it to now you know, over 86% of organizations using Kubernetes, right? And, wow. and, and for the right reasons, because it is really, really hard to 
scale, manage, and deploy containers in large environments. And Kubernetes was purpose-built to help you do that. It was an open source system developed by Google. And Google today uses Kubernetes or a version of Kubernetes, um, the internal version, to manage over 4 billion deployments at 4 billion containers at scale. So, so the first thing here is that um, you have to appreciate the importance of Kubernetes and you have to make sure that security is focused on not just the container, but also at the orchestrator and specifically Kubernetes, mm. right? Sure. And, and, and that itself brings a whole new set of challenges because uh, Kubernetes is a large system with significant operational complexity, right? And they just went through a security audit and the assessment team found that the configuration and deployment of Kubernetes is non-trivial. And I can get into the details as to what those challenges are, but you know, the, the, the starting point is to make sure that you're not just focusing on security at the container layer, but also focusing at the Kubernetes layer. Well, isn't that the truth? We find so often, even outside of the container world, it's oftentimes configuration issues, not just the software itself. And as you mentioned, Kubernetes, well, as great as it is, it is very complex to set up and operate. It's not a simple task. Maybe it is as a developer to get an environment running, but not in a multi-cluster distributed environment in the cloud, et cetera, hybrid, all that kind of thing. They highlighted you know, the three reasons why it is non-trivial. The first reason was that there are certain missing operational controls, right? So mm -hmm. you obviously have to make sure that you understand what those are and put guardrails in place for those controls. The second is that there are a lot of components that have, have ability for, to put controls in place, but the default settings are confusing, right? And, and the big takeaway for me is that we need to distinguish between security controls being available by default. And that doesn't mean that they are configured securely by default, right? So mm -hmm. the misconfigurations um, is, is therefore the, the, the number one concern that um, users have. And it was expressed by two thirds of the audience in the Stackrocks state of container security report that that two-thirds of the respondents were concerned about misconfigurations. Yeah, I believe you even have a, that report or some information about that on your website. I remember downloading some of that. It has some great information in it. Talk to us about then, then how do you approach that from a Stackrocks product standpoint? What, what parts of those issues does Stackrocks come in and help really help you solve? Yeah, so you know, what we have taken is a really a holistic approach to container and Kubernetes security and we, we have focused on making sure that uh, our approach is both container native and Kubernetes native. So what does it mean? And it means two distinct things. First is making sure that we capture all the rich configuration data that is in Kubernetes and use that to uh, address and, and improve the efficiency of all the use cases that we address in the product. So let's take vulnerability management as a very simple use case, right? You can go scan images and, and, and say, here are a list of all the images with a vulnerability score of seven or higher. Mm -hmm. Now imagine you have hundreds of images with vulnerabilities and you give them to developers, what are they gonna do? Mm -hmm. And I say, well, they're gonna throw their hands up in the air and say, well, I can't get to all of them. Mm -hmm. And that's where we, let, we had the Equifax problem. But by deeply integrating with Kubernetes and being Kubernetes native, what Stackrocks does is it takes the additional step of saying, hey, 
you know, it's great that we have these images with vulnerabilities. It's, it's a good, important first step. But let's take the, the second and third and fourth step to understand, are those images even deployed anywhere in your production environments? Exactly. Right? And, if, and if they're deployed in production environment, what data is it accessing? What secrets is it accessing? What's the network configuration? Is it publicly accessible? What behavior are we seeing at runtime? And by taking all this rich context, we can then give you a prioritized list of risks in your environment. So you can focus on the most important risks first, as opposed to getting a laundry list of issues. So, so that's a important, you know, that's how Kubernetes native solutions can help you prioritize risk. And that's precisely what we do at StackRocks. I was just gonna say, I think this is an extremely valuable aspect of your product because so many security teams, and I've talked to even, you know, major online tech companies that say, I, I don't need more information, I need problems solved, <laughs> right? Tell me what are the biggest, most important things to go after. And I think that's a huge part of what StackRocks does. Exactly. And, and, you know, alert fatigue, as I'm sure you've heard, Mitch, is a very common problem in the security industry. And That's the nice and way to say it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and by leveraging, leveraging the context, the rich context available in, in Kubernetes, you can actually make those, that information more actionable for your development teams and your security teams. Mm -hmm. so, so that's one, one example. The other example okay. of what it means to be Kubernetes native is really to, to leverage the, the built-in controls available in Kubernetes for policy enforcement, right? Mm -hmm. And so let's take network segmentation as another use case where um, you want to segment your networks uh, between um, in, inside you know, so that not every container can talk to every container. And um, there are two approaches. You know, Kubernetes has something called network policies, and you can leverage those. Uh, and it's much more scalable and robust, and, and it seamlessly deploys within your infrastructure. Right? The other approach would be to go deploy a proprietary firewall, which is fraught with scale challenges and creates issues if it fails, right? And so customers again says, hey, look, when I'm talking about being Kubernetes native, I want to leverage Kubernetes for what it was designed to do, mm -hmm. leverage the native capabilities because it's much more scalable and robust. And I want to make sure that my controls are all in Kubernetes. So I have a central place for policy enforcement as opposed to multiple proprietary tools doing policy enforcement. Right, which is not the, the approach and not what Kubernetes recommends. And that's precisely why they have those built-in controls. And so that's, an, again, another example of what, you know, the advantages of being Kubernetes native in that it allows for native enforcement of your policies. I think that's another place where, you know, the DevOps intersects with other parts of the organization, DevSecOps, ops, et cetera. You know, a security team might be used to locking down a server or at a massive application level. And, you know, as you've mentioned, sort of outside of the Kubernetes environment, locking something down at the firewall, that doesn't deal with really what's happening amongst all the clusters, all the containers, all the microservices. So you've really highlighted an important aspect of security that once security teams get engaged and find out what's possible, and now they can, you know, do that through StackRocks. That's got to be a huge advantage. Yeah, and, 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 and precisely the reason why we took this approach, because when we go talk to customers, what we find is that there are security teams that care about the controls that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are 
platform and infrastructure teams that are responsible for the operationalization of these tools, right? They are responsible for SLAs. The, these, the SREs are the ones that have to operate these container and Kubernetes um, native security solutions. And, you know, they just prefer solutions that are more native to the infrastructure mm-hmm. versus deploying proprietary third-party tools. And so having a kube-native approach also helps align security and DevOps teams. And what we are seeing now is as a result that this emergence of DevSecOps, uh, which is all about bringing the two together and really being responsible for the security of your application and your cloud-native infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Who do, who do, I'm curious, who is it usually that's reaching out to you or showing interest in Stackrocks? Is it the developers, the DevOps folks? Is it security folks kind of figuring out how to talk to the dev teams? What, what do you see happening in the market? Yeah, no, great question. We typically see security teams or security architects or application architects reach out because they know they have to address it. Mm-hmm. So that's where the initial conversation starts. But what we find is that when, when they involve the DevOps teams, because they have to get involved to do a proof of concept or even to deploy and operationalize the, uh, the solution, the DevOps teams actually much prefer a container and Kubernetes native approach as opposed to a proprietary third-party security tool. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they often refer to proprietary tools as a rootkit that they do not want to install in their infrastructure, right? And so, so it is, it is you, have to, you have to speak to both audiences. You have to make sure that you cover all the use cases that security teams care about. And you also have to make sure that from a day-to-day operationalization of the product, right, it aligns with your DevOps teams, their processes, their workflows. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to believe that's got to be a big plus to the security team. It's not another, you know, uh, security tool that they bolt onto the network. It's something that's built into Kubernetes and managed through Kubernetes and Stack Rocks. It's also native to the application infrastructure uh, versus something they have to integrate in or yet another tool to watch. It just seems to me it's it's a much simpler, although it's a complex topic, but simpler thing to implement as well as manage. Absolutely. I mean, you said it uh, in a spot on. This is security that's built in versus security that's bolted on. And if you think about where the security industry is headed, it's all about uh, security as code, right? Where mm-hmm. you, you built it into your applications. Uh, people talk about infrastructure as code, which is what we've been doing for the past five years. And now we are moving to the security as code where it, it, it presents us with a unique opportunity to, to address security from the very beginning and forever change the, the security equation in our favor. Mm-hmm. I'm curious when we talk about shift left for security, I think bundled inside that really what's also shifting left is auditing and compliance. Are there things about a Kubernetes environment that help us with that as well, the auditing compliance aspects of security? Yeah, absolutely. When we think about um, compliance and, and you know, shift left, you, you want to make sure that you are 
Center for Internet Security uh, benchmarks, you know, cover both your containers and, and as well as your orchestrator and Kubernetes. If you're doing any kind of PCI or HIPAA or NIST 800-190 um, compliance controls, you want to make sure that you extend them not just to your containers, but also to your orchestrator and Kubernetes specifically. And, and then the shift, whole shift left movement is that if I can catch some issue early on, and prevent it from being deployed in my environment, that is a hundred times more effective than deploying it in my environment and then catching it when something goes wrong, right? So mm. the sooner it's, it's more preventative and, and as opposed to, hey, we're gonna detect it, let, let anything run in the environment, we'll detect everything that bad that happens, right? And, you know, and as we know, that's not effective. You have to have preventative solutions. You have to have guardrails in place that harden your environment. So you have fewer chances of things going wrong. And that said, you also need capabilities at runtime. So despite your best efforts, when things do go wrong, you can still catch them and prevent any damage from happening. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's the whole observability, tracing into microservices, et cetera, understanding what's happening in the environment. You have to know what the environment is in the first place, as well as tie it back to that data. Exactly. And, and I think what we're going to see is, you know, the logs and metrics and tracing, you know, forming observability, as you, as you point out. Um, and, and similarly, you know, security is just the other side of the coin, right? So observability and security go hand in hand. And what we are, what we are doing is leveraging all of that rich information um, that is available, you know, at, at, at the node level, at the cluster level, and leveraging that to uh, protect your applications uh, across the entire lifecycle. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, we're um, coming up on the end of our time here. One last thought is, um, is, is there a um, a certain best practice or something that you've observed as you work with customers when they begin engaging with Stackrocks and see your technology and, and what it can do for them? What What is the thing that they walk away saying, wow, this has really helped me and I've solved the following problem or this is knowing the following has saved me a lot from avoiding some problems? Yeah, so there are a lot of you know, great resources available on our web website at www.stackrocks.com. And we talk a lot on uh, misconfigurations and we've highlighted some best practices, like for example, making sure that you use a read-only root file system, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's a, that's a very powerful mitigation against attempts to gain foothold in your infrastructure right? and the adversary's job becomes that much uh, more difficult or minimize the image contents because a lot of file systems often contain bash or package managers, um, which can be, which further enable an attacker to, to do bad things. And so remove all non-essential binaries or pay attention to your Kubernetes RBAC configuration, right? Why? Because the Kubernetes API is a critical attack surface. Uh, it controls what happens in your cluster, right? And it controls what security configurations are in your cluster. And so if you minimize who has access to the Kubernetes API, uh, it prevents, uh, it again, hardens your environment. And also upgrade to the latest version uh, because Kubernetes, is, the community is constantly adding more and more 
security controls. They're constantly addressing vulnerabilities that are discovered. And so running on the latest uh, version of Kubernetes is also a important step that you can take um, on uh, to secure your your Kubernetes environments. So there are lots of other you know, best practices that are, I would call low-hanging fruit that we've called out on some blogs that we've written about. Um, and, and that's irrespective of whether or not you're using Stackrock, right? These are just some good best practices as you embark on your journey to containers and Kubernetes. You do have an excellent blog, and I would certainly recommend that to our listeners. Well, it's been great talking with you. Kamal, thanks for being on the podcast. Mitch, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, definitely been my pleasure. So I'd like to thank Kamal Shah, CEO of StackRocks, for joining us today. You, of course, have listened to another DevOps Chat podcast, and I'd like to, of course, thank our listeners for joining us today as well. This is Mitch Ashley with DevOps.com. Thank you for joining us. Be careful out there.